This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. You can get Bill WD-40 into the chat room. Because you always want to go into a chat or a or a show nice and smooth. Yeah, and Bill just lubes us up for that. Joey Zed, good to have you here. The man, the myth, and the hair legend, Justin Shapker. That man uses more conditioner and shampoo than any man I know. And his hair just looks gorgeous. It really does. Roll call continuing. And who else is next? I don't know. Ozzy, Ozzy, good to see you. James Lucid, welcome, and thank you so much for that super chat. We very much appreciate the love, James, and uh, thank you very much. want to remind all of you that you can become a space traveler. All you got to do is head on over to Patreon and type in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Spaced Out Radio, whatever you want to, and, yeah, you can become a patron right now, right now. I've posted the link in YouTube. It's also in the description of this show. So make sure you check it on out. Our store is open on our website, spacedoutradio.com. And if you're new here, do us a favor, hit subscribe, ring that bell. It really helps with our algorithms. It really does. Do me a favor, everybody. Throw those horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news, wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We are turning up the woo meter tonight as Paul Blake Smith will join us momentarily to talk about President Eisenhower meeting aliens. Is it possible? Is it true? We'll get to that momentarily. Then in our number three, Steve Stockton joins us for another spooky story from Among the Missing. Robin Haynes will be back with the Cryptid Report. It's Dave 101 night. Guess where I'm going? Hi, NASA. How are you? Thanks for lying to us today. And then it's the strange news of the week.
Yes. Let us get to author Paul Blake Smith. I have been waiting for this. It's the last time we had Paul on about six, seven weeks ago. And he has a book. It came out in 2020. Okay. And if you haven't added this one to your Conspiracy Woo collection, you need to. It's called President Eisenhower's Close Encounters. Yeah. Did the former president meet with extraterrestrials? Wow. This well-researched nonfiction book will give a detailed, logical look at the most exciting presidential saga ever. Following along with researcher Paul Blake Smith, as he pieces together an explosive puzzle, which reveals that President Eisenhower actually met with friendly aliens and that other American presidents like renewed Ike's secret agreement with the visitors to remain aloof to this day to avoid triggering social chaos. This book can be found everywhere online. I am so buzzed to have Paul Blake Smith back on Spaced Out Radio about this. But first, I have to say to my buddy Timber Hunter, little Marquis Spender who's out there, he says in the chat room, wouldn't an ice cap be good right about now? If you're not in the forest and you're back home, Mark, okay, Bring that damn ice cap over. The bottom door is open to the studio, so I expect you to be here. This better not be a big tease. Paul, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right, uh, ready and raring to go. My friend, I can tell you, when I first heard about this Eisenhower story, probably about seven and a half, eight years ago, it really blew my mind. And I realize that it's a real conspiracy theorist type story. I realize that there is, you know, this is one of those stories that you want to believe. I've talked with his great granddaughter, Laura Eisenhower, about this. She says it's completely true that everything that that happened uh, has happened. But let us go back and figure out how did this story find its way to you? Uh, I was researching uh, the UFO crash that uh, happened in my hometown of Cape Girardeau, Missouri in 1941. And while doing so and going through so many UFO books, there were a few mentions of the Eisenhower story. And I thought, yeah, I remember that from years ago. I forget the exact year, but I've heard this um, when I was a younger man. And so I thought, that's a terrific story. Is there anything to this at all? Or is it a lot of claptrap? So I decided after my Cape Girardeau book was finished and released, I'm going to research the heck out of this one. And uh, it's tough because everyone's deceased and everyone was sworn to secrecy. But uh, uh, there was a break in the case in the early 80s in which uh, an eyewitness to the encounter uh, spoke up and said everyone else who was there that day is dead. But I'm going to tell you this story because I don't want the story to die out. It's the most amazing story. He says, I was there. It really happened. So I gathered that story and plenty of other stories, circumstantial evidence in some cases, allegations, facts. I checked out President Eisenhower's uh, printed schedule, his itinerary in his digitized presidential library, just all kinds of data, a mountain of this stuff and put it into a book that's gotten really good reviews and some good sales, and I appreciate it so much. It it makes it so worthwhile as a writer to get this kind of feedback, and that's why I did the sequel on Eisenhower's uh, former second-in-command, Richard Nixon, uh, and what he did with Jackie Gleason 50 years 
uh, let's see, 19 years actually, uh, to the very day in South Florida. But that's another show we've already done. So we can talk about what happened on February 19th. 1954. All right. Now, President Eisenhower was known as a hero among Americans coming out of World War II and then eventually taking over the presidency. And then as he was leaving office, giving his famous speech about, you know, beware of the military industrial complex that it doesn't take over. And by God, look how right he was 70 years ago to where we are today. I mean, this was a man that was cherished. If if there was ever a red-blooded American John Wayne type hero, it was Ike. And you got it. And yeah, it was mega popular. Yeah. So, so for people who either may not remember, may not know, or may not be from the United States, explain this man's popularity with the American people. Uh, President Roosevelt led the World War II effort from the White House, where he was largely bound by his wheelchair. And of all the generals and colonels he could have picked to head uh, the Army's efforts in World War II, he reached down the list way down and just seemed to uh, sense that Dwight D. Eisenhower would be the man for the job and installed him as a powerful general who held the troops together and everyone else's forces, the Allies, in Europe for the Supreme Headquarters effort to destroy the Nazis in World War II, where there were lots of Foo Fighter sightings. Uh, Those were strange orbs, daylight discs, UFOs over the English Channel or the British countryside or in France, and the reports filtered in, and Eisenhower had to have uh, uh, handled these issues, and he had to have been probably pretty surprised. Uh, There's an example, uh, a man wrote some years ago that he said, my grandfather was an RAF pilot and a bodyguard to Winston Churchill, the prime minister of England. He said the the, the pilot, the grandfather, was present when Churchill met with Eisenhower and they discussed a very uh, intriguing UFO case or Foo Fighter, as they called it. And they decided we'd better bury this story and we don't want to upset people's lives and their faith in God, their religious beliefs. So let's not talk about it. And that was their policy from that time forward to just squash it because they were afraid of maybe a panic or a social upheaval if they knew that these disks could outmaneuver American airplanes and uh, everyone else's jet fighters in uh, World War II. So that set the table. Eisenhower returned to America as a grand hero, given a ticker tape parade, Uh, finally ran uh, for office after he served Ike as Army Chief of Staff during the Roswell incident of 47, by the way. And uh, there are some documents that indicate Eisenhower may well have known about the Roswell uh, incident. So he ran for, um, well, he wasn't quite sure he was going to run by early 1952, when he did an inspection of uh, American... This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. 
AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years! Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. And allied bases and readiness in case of World War III in Europe. And one of the places took him to uh, the SS Franklin Roosevelt uh, uh, battleship or uh, carrier, I think it was, uh, off the coast of France, and a man wrote in to the uh, New York, uh, I forget which New York newspaper, might have been the Post, in the late 1990s, and he said, I was based on this uh, ship, the SS uh, Roosevelt, uh, which had uh, nuclear uh, weapons on board, and that we had a visit from an extraterrestrial spaceship of uh, this craft hovered over the the ship when Eisenhower was up on the deck speaking to us in the bridge. And it was a very rainy night, and he said the the thunder and the lightning, the rain did not affect this craft, this silver craft that hung in the sky. And he said for almost 15 minutes, it's not like it just took off. And they were all amazed, and Eisenhower got a good look, as they all did. Uh, This was in the middle of the night. Eisenhower couldn't sleep because of this storm. He came up to the bridge looking for coffee, and that's when they had this amazing sighting. So it was very shortly thereafter uh, that Eisenhower did make the decision he's going to run for president. And are the two uh, uh, incidences related? I don't know. Uh, After seeing a craft like that and having knowledge of uh, Foo Fighters and Roswell and such, did it convince Eisenhower that he's the man for the job? He went after the Republican nomination and won it easily. He won his election in the fall of 52 in a landslide. He was mega popular. He could do almost anything he wanted to do. And as president, he decided to do something that was suggested for him by uh, like military scientists. And it's a mind blower. I'll take a little water break and you can fill in from there and say, well, what was it? Well, I mean, let's get right to it. I mean, you know, there was a a lot of popularity and a lot of people pushing for Ike to run for president and, and everything. And, and Hey, you get caught up as a human being. It doesn't matter how popular you are or what you did. You get caught up in the hype on your own. Right. Uh, Maybe a little ego sets in that you think you're the king of the mountain. And in a way, he kind of was. During the Cold War, uh, he took office in January of 53. Now, there's a U.S. state congressman from New Hampshire named Henry W. McElroy, who said, uh, I was leaked some government documents. And it said, uh, the, the, like a military air corps or military scientist recommended to Eisenhower 
that he meet with some friendly extraterrestrials that they were in contact with, apparently through high-frequency radio waves in the early 50s, and they were uh, wanting to speak to the man in charge, and that would have been Ike. And so uh, the uh, Congressman McElroy said, I read the whole document, and it said that Eisenhower was encouraged that, yeah, they appear to be friendly. Maybe you want to look into this. And he did. McElroy said, it's my understanding that Eisenhower did go. And he was quite serious. Now, why would a congressman risk his whole political career over a lot of nonsense, you know, unless it was true and it was a valid document? And this is backed up by a man named Don Phillips, who um, worked for Skunk Works out in, I think, Nevada, uh, back in like the 1970s or 80s. And he said he also saw a top secret document that mentioned Eisenhower did go and meet with some friendly aliens at Edwards Air Force Base in the Mojave Desert one night in February of 54. He'd been in office one year and decided to go for it. He was not a, a coward. He was a very bold, smart, courageous American. He didn't get to the top by accident. But he knew this was important because they were friendly, and uh, he decided this meeting would be set up for February 19th, and that uh, a special party was held in Palm Springs where he was vacationing to distract the media one night. And that's when Eisenhower left the base and flew to Edwards Air Force Base and met with these friendly aliens who did indeed land that afternoon. So there's so many stories that come together to corroborate this. But that's just two examples, two of the best uh, I can throw out there right away, uh, that this is serious business. It really happened. And remember, there's this source who came forward. He was a U.S. Air Force test pilot, said he was called in for this meeting due to his knowledge of uh, aerodynamics and flight technology. And we'll just drop in a quick note that Eisenhower was also familiar. He was the first American president with a pilot's license. So he was like the perfect guy to speak to. And so he went for it, and they landed, and it was all set for that night. Uh, that was a Friday night in 54. Wow. I have so many questions about this that uh, I'm going to feed you here coming up here. Uh, you know, but the idea behind this knowledge, did, uh, did this all start coming out of Roswell and what happened at Roswell, or was it before that? Uh, you know, whether you look at uh, what happened in Washington State, where the term flying saucer was made with the Kenneth Arnold incident. I mean, where did this begin? The first inkling might have been the 1941 Cape Girardeau UFO crash. I like this comment from Android Paranormal on our screen, and, and Dave who said he knows someone at the FBI. He discussed this with him, and he said Eisenhower was the right president to meet with. He had experience in dealing with civilians, the military, some amount of diplomacy. He made hard decisions, and he was a good man, a devout Christian, and a devoted American who loved democracy. He hated the Nazi regime and squashed it flat. He was indeed the perfect man to speak to by 54. So Eisenhower probably knew a good deal of these stories that were out there. And from that UFO sighting in early 52, before he took office, he was aware we're being visited. He wasn't a naive, uh, uh, innocent lamb. And when they came to him with these documents and this report that uh, the, the aliens have been in contact with us, 
and say they'd like to meet you for a particular reason. He found out that reason, and it's a pretty good reason to come down and risk everything to land and meet a U.S. president. And uh, according to the eyewitness, this test pilot who spoke out in the early 1980s, uh, the alien stepped out of five spaceships. Three were circular, two were cigar-shaped. And there's a couple of corroborating stories on the, that precise uh, uh, number of vehicles that entered our atmosphere and landed quietly at Edwards Air Force Base in the desert that afternoon. They were apparently met with a welcoming committee to make sure that they're unarmed and friendly, and they were. And they even invited people to come in and you want to look at our spaceships, you want to walk around. Uh, Eisenhower was given that option and apparently he declined and said, you know, no, we're good. Well, he met them at the lip of a uh, open Air Force hangar um, in, uh, on this runway out in the desert at night. There was like no one for many miles around. It was the perfect place for security reasons for aliens to land. And so these uh, human-like aliens stepped out and they spoke to Eisenhower in English, according to the test pilot. And the pilot said they looked kind of like human beings, but not quite. There were a few differences. He said they were like, uh, well, uh, let's put it this way. A special op operations manual for the Army came out uh, in April of 54, just a few weeks after the Eisenhower encounter. And it said in there, and you can read this on the internet, that uh, I think it's a valid document. They know of at least three or four races of beings who are coming to our world. And they listed these, and one were the typical gray aliens, and one were human-like beings that were a good deal like us and about five foot tall, fairly well-muscled, no real hair, but some fuzz at the top of their heads, and uh, a slightly different skin tone than ours. Now, since my book came out, I've been reading uh, a number of uh, stories online from serious scientists and cosmologists who believe that, uh, first, there are many planet Earths in the cosmos, and second, on some of these planets could be human beings that have evolved just like we have, so that some of them may be advanced enough to have space flight technology and ability. So it all makes sense that these human-like beings came down and tried to talk to Eisenhower in, in uh, February 54, and in English, which means they've been studying our culture, and they were probably what I would call like cousins of human beings, almost like a family reunion. You know, you set it up at a place, and your far-flung relatives come, and you have a nice chat. Um, I don't think they ate or drank anything, but it was probably a very pleasant kind of reunion, if you if you will, on that Air Force base in the Mojave Desert. So the uh, aliens spoke to Eisenhower, and they had one big request. They said, you're polluting your planet. These atomic detonations in your nuclear arms testing program are sending contamination into the land, the sea, the air, up into outer space. You're, you're risking everything with this reckless program that Eisenhower did approve. So Eisenhower said, well, you know, I'm not going to disarm unilaterally. I want to see other nations disarm before I do anything. And he continued the test program. And about like 10 days later, they set off something called Castle Bravo, which was a gigantic mess, an ecological disaster. It was like many times worse than the projected... Uh 
This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. Atom bomb going off, or it was a special type of bomb in the Bikini Atoll out in the South Pacific, and it got Eisenhower into a lot of trouble. The Japanese were furious, in fact, that uh, uh, Japanese fishermen and some of their people were uh, sickened from the contamination and that they weren't warned in advance. It was just a, a very embarrassing situation. It makes you think maybe in looking backwards that the aliens may have tried to persuade Eisenhower they knew this was coming and to you know call off this giant environmental disaster that you're creating. Well, he didn't listen. And he was further rattled when the aliens put on two different shows for him on that runway. And one was they turned around and got in their ships and put on an aerial display for them. Uh, Eisenhower was surrounded by six bodyguards and the test pilot at all times. They said, the test pilot said he did not touch the aliens. He just stayed, you know, protective but friendly uh, in communicating with them. And they wanted to put on a show and, and say, you know, look what we can do. They wanted to start an education program for the people of Earth and start with the most advanced nation, of course, America. So they zipped around in the skies over Edwards Air Force Base, probably up and down and back and forth and zipping around and around, stopping on a dime, hovering, things that our jet pilots could only dream of doing. And then they came back down and landed. And Eisenhower, or the test pilot said Eisenhower was quite suitably impressed. I'm sure they all were by this display of the five ships that had landed that day on the runway. So then... Eisenhower watched something happen that caused him a little embarrassment. Maybe he went red in the face and got very worried. And his ultimate decision was, you're going to have to leave. Our people are not ready for this. Would you like to know what he saw, what the aliens did? You got 45 seconds to tell us, my friend, before we have to go to break here. uh, Why don't we hold it until after the break uh, (laughs) and keep your audience in full suspense After the air show, the aliens stepped out of their craft and did something that caused Eisenhower to get very nervous. They meant well, 
but they overplayed their hand. And uh, they shouldn't have really done this, but they showed off an ability that they had, and it made Eisenhower say, you're going to have to go. <laughs> well, I got a ton of questions for you because, you know, there are so many different stories about this case, good aliens, bad aliens, you know, one wants nukes, the other one doesn't care, the other one doesn't uh, want them around Earth. There's a ton of stories that go around President Eisenhower allegedly meeting with extraterrestrials in the 1950s. Author Paul Blake Smith has a book out about it called President Eisenhower's Close Encounters. We will be right back on Spaced Out Radio for the second half of this hour right after this stay tuned more continues right after this all right we are clear is this like a two-minute break or so we got a five-minute break here okay well i can refill my water glass you go i'm just uh keeping in touch with the chat room here i'm just delighted i don't have any like my side, my kidneys. Uh. Yes. By the way, if Paul collapses tonight, he is <laughs> suffering from kidney stones. So, uh, hello, toothbrush. How you doing? Uh, it happened in the Mojave uh, Brown Dwarf at Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, let's see here. Who else do we have? Mm. Oh. The Debster has arrived. And uh, let's go here. See, we got uh, Sparkles in the other chat room on Facebook. Nice to see you. And um, let's see here. Ah, Susie B. The latest and greatest on the SOR Space Travelers Club. Yeah. You can join that right now if you want. You can do it. I am serious. You can do it. Mm -hmm. I love all the creative names of your uh, followers that are on the screen. Oh, they're great. Yeah. They're great. Susie B entering the chat room. Pixie Lara, how are you? How's that red purple hair? How's that going for you? (laughs) Mm-hmm. My goodness, I, I I love this story. I really do. Hello, J-Cat. Good evening to you, Steve Franchise. Welcome back. Dave never had the fires. The fires were all around, but they never hit my home or in my area. Which Are is a nice. lot of those out now? The major- How is the, the fire the, the majority, The majority are out. Yeah. I'm in southern Missouri, and about a week ago, we got more of that smoke all the way down here. Oh, there, in the other parts of the country, it's still burning. But, it, I mean, it's going to wrap up here pretty quick because it's starting to get cold at night. Cindy Pruitt, how are you? And uh, Guy Calgary says, uh, aliens made a deal to give us tech as long as the Minnesota Vikings never win a Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> well, that's held. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wolverine, how are you? Welcome back. Uh, w. Decker, your hair looks fantastic tonight, by the way. I just wanted to point that out. And, uh, yeah, we're caught up so far. We are caught up. 
Uh, what part of Canada are you in again? I am almost in central British Columbia. Oh. Do you identify with the British? No, even though we are a part <laughs> of the Commonwealth. No, I ad- I identify as someone who is uh, very anti-government, but not in. Uh, a- I've always wanted to ask: uh, How do you do- identify with the NFL? Do you really uh, Canadian people follow that too, or do you prefer your own football league? Personally, I love the CFL. I love the CFL. I hate the league for how they do a terrible job at marketing it. The owners are all a bunch of old stiffs who uh, (laughs) want to do things the way they worked in 1970s and 80s. Uh, They've done nothing to grow the game here in Canada, even on a um, at a high school or a or a local level. Um, They try their best, but the budgets are so small that that they don't have the money or the resources to do it um you know i think i think only having nine teams uh we need another team here in british columbia we need more teams out east like quebec city and halifax and and uh fredericton in order to try and you know i think if we had 12 teams that's probably the best 12 teams um I think it would be uh, a much stronger league, but they um, they just keep messing around. They don't know what the hell they're doing, unfortunately, and they don't market their players. You know, you can't even find a CFL f- like football card, like a baseball card. Can't even find that. Huh. You know, uh, how's the attendance and TV ratings? Uh, depends on where you are. Like Vancouver and Toronto, they tend to think that they're big cities, so. Uh, they don't have time for the CFL. It's below them. Whereas huh. in the in the middle of the country, uh, heading east, they're jam packed every game. Every oh. game. One second here. We're gonna get going here. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, you can check out our free archive by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. We continue on with author, researcher, and downright good, wholesome guy, Paul Blake Smith, who is here talking about President Eisenhower and whether or not he met with extraterrestrials. Now, this is a very interesting story because there is a lot of hearsay about this, a lot of anecdotal stories about this, but no real proof that this actually happened. It's eyewitness testimony, it's family testimony, and it's it's just one of those crazy stories. Did President Eisenhower meet 
with extraterrestrials in the 1950s. He's got a book out. If you want to check it out, it's on Amazon or Goodreads or anywhere. It's called President Eisenhower's Close Encounters. Paul Blake Smith, welcome back to the show, my man. Well, thank you very much, sir. Uh, we were talking about what uh, President Eisenhower saw. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. Uh, for himself, and I should backtrack a bit, that uh, supposedly one source in this story said that the aliens offered Eisenhower a clean energy system. And he turned that down, too. I'm not sure if that story is valid, but Eisenhower and his generation were very nervous about doing anything that would upset the economy and our energy systems like coal and oil and gas and our automobiles and everything like that, because that's the whole economy, basically in a nutshell. And they don't want to disturb that, uh, start a stock market crash that could put people out of work. And it would be uh, much like 1929, which was like a domino effect around the world. So a dramatic change from extraterrestrials, where it was not something Eisenhower was uh, willing to accept. And when he saw what happened next after the aerial display, he made his decision that uh, these guys, <laughs> they got to go. <laughs> he, the aliens had offered earlier to uh, start an education program for the people of Earth to get them used to the fact that we're not alone. We can uh, send some races to your planet and you need to get accustomed to the fact that um, uh, humans are not the only beings in existence. Well, Eisenhower wasn't too crazy about that, but then the aliens did something that we're only just now starting to uh, grasp and utilize. According to the test pilot who was there, the aliens managed to cloak themselves. They became invisible to the naked eye. Uh, they were uh, stepping out of their ships and they were back out on the runway in front of uh, the president and his bodyguards. And they put on a display of appearing and disappearing. And the test pilot says, we knew they were there. They apparently made noise, uh, but we could not see them. 
And this really uh, rattled President Eisenhower. And he thought, God, if they try teaching this to other people here on this planet in an education program, we could have chaos. Imagine spies, murderers, rapists, peeping toms learning to make themselves invisible, to cloak themselves, even if for a few minutes before whatever method is they used wore off. Uh, going into banks and robbing them, going into women's locker rooms or uh, into uh, corporate headquarters and finding out all their secrets and everything. So uh, I know it sounds a little tough for us to believe, but apparently our military these days is working with cloaking technology and they've got some advances from what I read. Uh, That's kind of scary, but they can make you think that you don't see something and it turns out it is cloaked or camouflaged, and uh, who knows what kind of further advances we'll see in this area. But Eisenhower uh, said, you're going to have to go. Our world is not ready for you yet. And they eventually did go. But I think before they left, they formed an agreement. Uh, They came to a kind of uh, contractual agreement or a treaty, which uh, apparently was in place as of February 19th. And that's why future presidents, including Nixon, went to Air Force bases at night around February 19th on that day to either amend or upgrade or renew such a, a, an agreement uh, from Eisenhower to Kennedy to Johnson to Nixon, at least. I know that's pretty wild, but I got a whole chapter in my book showing the dates that uh, presidents went, according to their own digitized libraries, to uh, like an Air Force base. Uh, Lyndon Johnson in particular met with Dwight Eisenhower in Palm Springs, flew all the way out there on the exact 10th anniversary day, 1964. And there were gaps in uh, Eisenhower and uh, LBJ's schedule where something was up that day. There were even two Air Force Ones on the tarmac in Palm Springs where they were meeting. So the, something's going on regarding this uh, agreement, apparently, that Eisenhower made with uh, extraterrestrial visitors. Well, I want to I want to just ask some questions of what I know about this story, if if you don't mind, because this Go is right this is one of the big ones that really intrigues me. And I've talked to I've talked to uh, Laura Eisenhower about this, who is Ike's great granddaughter. I've talked to numerous people who've uh, investigated this uh, story and claim that it is real, but there seems to be different stories of the reality. And I, and I want to just kind of bounce a couple of those off of you. Now, allegedly Eisenhower was in, uh, was in Palm Springs taking in a, a charity golf tournament before he allegedly disappeared to Edwards Air Force Base and then the official story is he had a tooth he had a, a tooth break or a toothache that he went to a uh, he was flown overnight to Beverly Hills to a dentist to uh, get, get that checked out. <laughs> well, that's a new new twist. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, well, I'd be happy to uh, uh, give what I found on these stories. Uh, first, Eisenhower loved to golf in Augusta, Georgia, and he went there lots of like dozens of times. And he got used to being guarded by, even before he was president, Georgia State Troopers, 
who uh, would keep the crowds away because he was so popular and who would provide security. So I looked through Eisenhower's records and it turns out that they had a little meeting with Eisenhower one day a year later and said, could you autograph this photograph taken of us with you February 19th, 1954, when Eisenhower had this special bodyguard group around him, according to the test pilot. So the Georgia state troopers flew all the way out to the Mojave Desert. What would they be doing there providing security, according to these records, unless they were that group? I mean, it makes no sense to go out to California with your Secret Service in tow. So Eisenhower was out there on a golf vacation. He went golfing almost every day. He loved the sport. And he used it as a way of letting people know it's calm business as usual, that I'm in charge and everything's going so quietly, I can go out and play golf whenever I want. Eisenhower became so known for golfing, there was a little joke that uh, the Democrats came up with uh, an idea. Uh, They said, let's um, hire Sam Snead to run for president. If we're going to have a golfing president, we might as well have a good one. And so that gives you an example that Eisenhower uh, played golf at courses. He chipped on the White House lawn. He was seen several times chipping golf balls. He would putt in the Oval Office in his golf cleats and put dents in the floor. So it only made sense for him to go golfing, but to fly 2,700 miles for a golf vacation in Palm Springs, that was the cover story to be in place to go to this meeting one night while the press was distracted. It turns out that he did have dental work done the very next night. I spoke to a woman who had a friend who was there that night, and she said they were having a nice dinner at this Palm Springs estate where uh, Eisenhower was staying with the first lady, and that he bit into some duck meat. And he said, what? What is in this meat? And he broke off a crown on his tooth. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. President. Uh, The boys shot this duck meat this morning, and we cooked it right up, and it's still got some buckshot in the meat. And he was really upset. What kind of a sportsman uses buckshot? I need a dentist right now. And he was really hurting. So the dental story is actually true. It was just that it was the next night on the 20th. It was the night before he visited uh, aliens at Edwards, Edwards Air Force Base. So I found the dental story to be quite valid. It turns out that he was gone like nearly half the night because they did call Dr. Francis Purcell, a Palm Springs dentist, and he said, "Um, yeah, sure, the president needs me and I'll be right there and hung up. And they waited an hour or two and had to call him back and say, where are you? The president needs you. This is serious. And he was like, oh, you're kidding. I thought you were joking. So the dentist had to get his act together and get a nurse or, you know, uh, an assistant, dental assistant, to show up at his office in Palm Springs. And that's why that story seemed to take off that Eisenhower did disappear one night uh, during his trip, and it was for valid surgery. And you can see some of the records. They're in the Eisenhower Presidential Library. Uh, I read an interview with the library's director who said, you know, we get this request all the time. Eisenhower really did get dental surgery in his upper left incisor and that uh, we've got some records of this. And I say, that's true. I think the story is true. It was the night before he snuck out on a Friday night uh, while the press was distracted with this big party at their hotel to keep them from following Eisenhower around. They put this together pretty cleverly. 
So uh, I was going to interview Laura Eisenhower myself, but she gave so many previous interviews online. I watched like a ton of them. She provided all the information on all these other interviews, and I did not find it all that important to interview her. I did find out that Susan Eisenhower, the president's uh, granddaughter, also believes the story is probably true and that she made a comment or two that I put in my book that she believes we are being visited. So, you know, it's not just Laura, and it's not just uh, anyone who's a UFO buff, but there were so many sources, like Frank Edwards, who was a mutual broadcast system uh, radio newsman who reported the rumors that spring and soon found himself fired. Uh, He was big into UFOs, but he was a serious newsman, too. And he'd been reporting that Eisenhower, from what I hear, snuck away from his Palm Springs golf vacation. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech and met with aliens who landed and were very friendly. And he reported this and soon found himself canned. And that sent a message, I think, to other people back then. You know, uh, there are consequences of talking about things that are uh, considered national security. Very much so. Okay, let me get to another question here uh, for you. I had heard that he had met with two different species that day. One who basically said, hey, we'll give you the secrets to the universe, free energy, clean power, and we'll give you all, you know, the right to show you how to live longer because humanity at that point, I believe the average age was into the early 70s, uh, if not lower across the world. Okay, we'll teach you how to live longer, but no more nukes. No more nukes. Right. And then this other species came down and said, we don't care about your nukes. We'll give you some technology to move forward. And you're, you're not going to get a few of these things that the other group wants. But, you know, give us give us sixty to 65,000 people a year, you know, and, and let, let, us, let us do our studies. And in that deal or that agreement, allegedly, they were supposed to be destitute people, homeless people, people in psych wards or people with mental health issues, okay, uh, maybe, you know, everything from, or even health issues where maybe they can't walk or or they have uh, other mental health uh, issues that, that are uncontrollable. And apparently, because they said, hey, you keep the nukes, the Cold War is going on, this is what we're, uh, this is the deal we're going to take. Did you hear anything about that? I have. Uh, the first story, I think, is true. The second one, I'm not completely sold on. However, 
Eisenhower did come to an agreement, and according to uh, this Don Phillips, who saw the documents like the 1980s or so, he said Eisenhower told the aliens, well, how can we stop you? You're so advanced more than us. And that he did agree to some amount of, if you want to call it abduction, that he, they would take people in rural settings, look them over, and then put them back. Uh, he wasn't crazy about them, but again, how are we going to stop them? So he made the best agreement that he could. Now, in 2017, there was a government document that got leaked. Uh, it was first leaked, I believe, by a government person to Heather uh, Wade, I think her name was, um, a radio podcast host uh, out in the desert and a protege of Art Bell. And she gave me permission to put that document in my book. It's a 1989 Defense Intelligence Agency document, I think, for the incoming George H.W. Bush administration. And in it, it literally says, Eisenhower met with friendly aliens in February 54, formed an agreement, and did allow uh, some amount of uh, scrutinization of human beings. In exchange, there would be a meeting set out in a Nevada air base out in the desert, and we would bring them some uh, flora and fauna and uh, some samples and technology that they would like to look at. And they would, in, in turn, bring us some technology that we could have to inspect and examine. It was a, considered a fair exchange, according to this document. It's pretty wild sounding, and yet it seems to make sense that if you want to keep good relations with some very powerful entities, and uh, if you... No, they, they could wipe us out probably if they really wanted to. You're going to make a few concessions. So I think he met with at least one race. I've heard the rumors of a second race. I'm not convinced. But overall, some sort of agreement along these lines was formed and signed. Uh, the document made clear that uh, Eisenhower met with him uh, in February 55. And that's where you get into the research of Art Campbell, who shows that this happened at Holloman Air Force Base. Have you seen that uh, uh, website and the data he put together before he passed away? Yeah, Art Campbell was uh, one of my first big-name guests on this show. And we brought him on to talk about uh, his studies into the second crash at Roswell that nobody talks about at San Augustine. And this was a case. Oh, yeah. This yeah. was a case that Stanton Friedman absolutely loved, you know. And Stanton believed that there was a landing there, and they were still able to find parts there, uh, alleged parts uh, of this uh, crash site. That's exciting. And Art was a first a fellow Missourian like myself, and second a pretty. Darn good researcher, dedicated. He didn't seem showy or make up a lot of wild stuff. He interviewed people that said Eisenhower really did go to Holloman Air Force Base, was seen by military personnel, and including one electrician who had been working on the base that day who climbed up a pole and saw these two spaceships come down out of the sky. And he said that hovered over the runway, and he was... Uh, shocked and shimmied him his way down the pole to get out of there. He was so stunned. But the electrician told him that uh, one of the ships uh, in 55 hovered in the sky and the second one landed on the runway near Air Force One. 
and Eisenhower got out and went over to the spaceship and there was some kind of meeting there. And I think that was the finalization of this treaty to get the wording right and to see who else would agree to this and uh, get the details hammered out. So uh, you can, it might still be on the internet to this day, uh, Art Campbell's um, site. I wish I remember the name. Uh, do you recall the, the site name? of uh, his research. He did a good yeah. job. Uh, he did make one mistake. He said Eisenhower went to this meeting with entertainer Art Godfrey uh, because I see his name on the list of passengers on Air Force One that accompanied him uh, in February 55. And it turns out Arthur Godfrey was the name of a Secret Service agent. Uh, the entertainer had nothing to do with this, just a coincidence uh, Art Godfrey was probably still around when Nixon went uh, to his Air Force base in February of 73 and took Jackie Gleason with him, as I put in my second book. So uh, these are really great stories, I got to admit, uh, and they make for great book stories, but I make sure that I think it's really valid. I don't put in a bunch of made-up junk. I need sources. I need background. What else can corroborate this? And I try to put a ton of that stuff in my book. Uh, I don't like fantasies or wild conspiracy stuff that has no basis in reality. And I think people appreciate that. I've got a lot of good reviews on Amazon. And I hope folks will like the mountain of information of circumstantial evidence that I put together. Well, it's a, it's a great piece of work as we are talking with Paul Blake Smith, the author of President Eisenhower's Close Encounters. How did this seem to change Ike as we got about three minutes to go? Was he was he somebody who was was affected by this the rest of his life? Or was this something that he just took to his grave? I think Eisenhower was affected and he tried to do something about the proliferation of uh, atomic weaponry not only in America, but around the world, and he just couldn't get it done. He had an Atoms for Peace program. It didn't quite work. Uh, China, Russia, England, France, they were all working on their own atomic weapons research and production and spreading uh, weapons out around the world at military sites and silos. So it really came down to JFK, who got the job done and signed the nuclear test ban treaty during his brief presidency. Uh, Eisenhower did what he could, but he didn't get the glory for uh, cutting back on all these tests that were setting off nuclear bombs underground, underwater, in the air, uh, in various circumstances. Uh, and it was pretty reckless. When you look back, it was like children playing with gasoline and matches, really. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. I can totally see where... Where you're going with that? Uh, as we got about two minutes to go here, Paul. When you, when you look at this, I mean, when you're dealing with presidential matters, when you get something that's out of your comfort zone, like aliens would be, I mean, does he put out an order to just shut everybody up after that, or how does it work? Uh, the test pilot said they were gathered together after the aliens left, and everyone was sworn to secrecy. And that's what Art Campbell found on the Holloman Air Force Base meeting that, according to an eyewitness, Eisenhower went into this base uh, kind of theater, gathered everyone and swore them to secrecy, even though most of them didn't know what was going on or were not allowed to look out the windows. He said, let's keep this between us. 
do not discuss this. And he flew back to a quail hunting vacation in Georgia in 55. So I think people took their vows seriously. You start talking and you could easily find yourself either in the brig or drummed out of the military, lose your salary, your dental plan, your health plan, your pension. Everything is riding on you keeping your mouth shut. And no one wanted to appear uh, unpatriotic and define the great Eisenhower. So uh, that effectively kept the lid on this for decades. Right. Uh, and I can see that because much like what happened at Davis Monthan Air Force Base during the Phoenix Lights, the same thing seemed to happen, yeah. you know, at, uh, at uh, Edwards, that every officer or every uh, personnel, uh, civilian or not, on the base at that time was told to be inside, closed windows, blinds closed. Nobody was allowed to look outside. I mean, it, it, it's pretty eerie when you're getting orders like that. And, uh, you know, it. like I said, it happened during the Phoenix Lights as well. Paul, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the top of the hour. And an interesting story. Do you believe it or not? We'll take some audience questions next for author Paul Blake Smith as we talk about his book, President Eisenhower's Close Encounters. Did Ike meet with extraterrestrials? The big, big question. What do you think? Let us know. Spacedoutradio.com. We'll be right back. Water break. Yeah, I'm just going to put you in the uh, green room. I'm going to be right back. <coughs> Thank you, Mama Catherine, for that lovely super chat. Be right back, guys.
forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. All right, I am back. We'll bring Paul back here. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing just fine. Didn't pass anything, but... <laughs> That's good. That's good. We don't want you to get a kidney stone. Well, I, w- right about I would like to pass it, but it's, you know, painful to do that. You know that firsthand. Oh, yes. Yes, they're not fun. Did they give you morphine like they did me a couple of times? Uh... uh... I was on some good drugs, put it that yeah. way. I'm not fond of drugs and alcohol. I never touched them. I, I just like being in control of my mind. But when you're in that amount of pain, I, you're like, give me anything you've got. Mm-hmm. Get me out of this hell. And so uh, got I've gotten right. morphine for that. And it did work, and I eventually passed it. One of them was lodged so bad I had to have like immediate 
like laser surgery that they just zapped oh, it with yeah. some sort of laser or something like that. Yep, that sucks. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, we got about one minute to go. I want to say a big thank you to Mama Catherine. Mwah! Love you, my dear. Uh, Debster, Android, W. Decker, Pam H., James, and W. David Page for the amazing Super Chats tonight. Hi, Bombshell Bomber. How are you? And I want to also uh, put the link in here that if you're interested in joining the Space Travelers Club to support Spaced Out Radio, we got some cool things there. You get some cool swag as well, depending on which part you participate in monthly. And we appreciate the love. We're going to be adding to that more and more as we go on. And our website, spacedoutradio.com. You can go shopping there for your great swag. If you're new here, do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button. Ring that bell. It helps with our algorithms, too, when you leave a comment after the show. And we try to comment back. uh, So we'd appreciate that as well. Lots of things going on. And don't forget, Reno 2024 coming up soon. Here comes our two. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Do join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight. In the SOR Space Travelers Club, Ignudic. Ignudic is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join our Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go, second hour with author Paul Blake Smith. We're talking about whether or not President Eisenhower in the 1950s met with extraterrestrials. And his book, President Eisenhower's Close Encounters, can be found online. You can check it on out. Paul, welcome back. Thanks for having me on. Uh, when I went, was going on one show and they were introducing, uh, you know, at the top of the hour like this, the two hosts said, this is like the greatest UFO story ever, isn't it? And the other said, it sure is. A president of the United States really met with aliens, and it's just astounding. And I know it's tough to grab and hold in your mind, maybe at first, but I would ask you to read the book and, and, and read the weight of evidence in favor of this uh, having been a very serious, real event. So uh, in this hour, I'll take whatever questions you have. Well, I want to start off by asking, is there any evidence in your research that Eisenhower did trade humans for technology? Uh, I don't think he traded humans, but he gave some amount of permission for extraterrestrials to look us over as gently maybe as he thought we, they could and put us back if necessary. He wanted us uh, to carry on day-to-day operations and not be disrupted or disturbed. He wanted the aliens to stay at like arm's length 
and don't set down a society uh, like in a major city or uh, start a panic or start uh, trying to contact people and it would touch off almost like a stampede of uh, people frightened out of their minds. Uh, another factor would have been the 1938 uh, War of the Worlds radio broadcast by Orson Welles, still fresh in people's minds. And I think that really affected the military and the government on this subject, that they thought that Americans would panic if they thought aliens really were coming, as some people did listening to this Orson Welles broadcast on the night before Halloween in 38. And some people ran out uh, in New Jersey and grabbed their guns and drove around looking for aliens to shoot because they were hostile. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. And, and blowing people away in this fictional story. So some people allegedly had heart attacks or deeply distressed, and uh, that's the kind of reaction the military has feared then, and I think to this day they don't want another panic on their hands, so they keep this covered up. Well, it's interesting you say that because about a year and a half ago I had a conversation with Lou Elizondo, the former head of the ATIP program at the Pentagon, and I asked him point blank, I said, was, you know, because we we're, were all going through COVID at that time. And I asked him, was COVID a test to see how people treated each other during a catastrophe, if we could call it that? And he said, yes, absolutely. That they were watching how people were treating each other. You know, and I've mentioned this numerous times on this show, but I'll say it to you for the first time. And basically, they were concerned about the way people were hoarding milk and hoarding medicine and hoarding, you know, going to the store, buying $3,000 worth of meat, as some reports had, and people, you know, collecting, you know, 10, 12 jugs of milk. You know, I mean, nobody's going to go through that much milk. You're just wasting it at that point. And the way people were treating each other and ratting each other out, and and it was it was very concerning to them seeing how you know there are very few topics that are going to affect every single person on this planet. Aliens coming down from space or wherever they're from is one of them, and it doesn't matter whether you live in the concrete jungles of Tokyo or New York, or you live in the jungles of Brazil or Thailand. It doesn't matter. You're still going to be affected by this. And so, yes, there was concern even even recently over this topic. There's a man who works for the CIA, apparently, 
I think his name is John Ramirez. Are you familiar yes, with him? Yes, I know John. He's claiming the government wants to keep the lid clamped down for a few more years, that something's coming in the year 2027. What that is, I don't know. But uh, as you can see from the recent congressional hearings here in America, there wasn't a lot of follow-up. They're not going to allow further whistleblowing testimony, shocking stuff. They still want to keep the lid uh, tight on this story, reasonably so. Uh, I've been told by a guy who has contacts much higher than me that my books are being allowed to help people be broken into this more gradually and understand that these things have happened and we are being visited. I don't know if that claim is true, but my source said, I was skeptical about your Eisenhower story and your Nixon story, Paul. I talked to people in military and intelligence and the media, and they got back to me and said, uh, this guy's book is valid. This really happened. And that Nixon wanted to set his own uh, pace and, and set his own treaty out with uh, some friendly aliens and that he went to an Air Force base to outdo his former boss, Eisenhower, in 1973 and maybe 74 before he left office. So it's, again, an example that they want us, the government apparently wants us to learn a little bit, but not too much. No, and I can understand that. I mean, but what kind of technology do you think we gained from the extraterrestrials. A lot of people yeah. started off with saying fiber optics was one of them. Uh, you know, maybe night vision uh, supposedly is another one. Uh, you know, Phil Corso wrote his book the day after Roswell and gave interviews and said that uh, we were integrating crash recovery technology into major corporations to see what they could do with it. And they did develop night vision and fiber optics and other things. And it sounds like a reasonably believable story. Uh, I think NBC News went to some of these corporations and they all denied it. But of course, who's around from like 1947, 48, 49, 1950 to uh, talk about such things? And that would have been corporate secrets as well. So they had some amount of uh, uh, maybe naivete, modern uh, corporate executives or researchers saying, no, nah, that didn't happen. But do they really know? Uh, what we could have learned. Uh, it's a very good question, what you asked. What did we get precisely according to this uh, 1989 briefing document for the incoming Bush administration? Uh, some technology was exchanged, and it sounded like uh, in this Art Campbell story of Eisenhower at Holloman in 55, they were waiting on an airplane at the base to come in and bring them something. And uh, one eventually did, but what precisely it was, I don't know. Planter animal specimens, uh, air flight technology, engine technology, I don't know. Uh, it's a very good question. I don't have a clear, definite answer for you. Yeah, I mean, getting to people who have gone missing, I remember interviewing the late Butch Witkowski, and he was saying one of his FBI sources and friends you know, we were talking about human mutilations uh, that night. And allegedly, there's about 1.3 million Americans that go missing every year. The majority of them are found whether alive and or passed. I mean, and when you, when you break down murders, kidnappings, suicides, people who just want to vanish 
off, you know, maybe change their identities, people who run away, uh, and everything along those lines, that number whittles down to 60,000 people unaccounted for, which, or 65,000, one of the two. And it's still way too many, isn't it? (laughs) But it equated to the same number that Eisenhower had allegedly given permission for the aliens to take. Yeah, uh, that's a little spooky. If that's true, it would be tough to corroborate, but it would kind of make sense. Maybe some people uh, left this world voluntarily. You know, it doesn't have to be something sinister that they were taken against their will. And as you point out, some of these are explainable. Even in later years, they find out uh, what happened. Maybe somebody tripped and fell and they're finding their body in a crevice or in an ice cave or something like this, but there's still a, a good sized percentage that have not been explained. And it kind of reminds me of UFO sightings in general, uh, like 85% can be explained, natural phenomenon, drone, blimp, airplane, mistaken identity, but there's still this 15% that cannot be explained and the government doesn't know what to say or do about it. And it's just a matter of, um, what is going on? I'm not a member of the military or the government, and uh, I don't have an inside source, really, that tells me what is going on. And I've never seen a UFO. I want to point that out. I'm not going to make up any stories. I've not uh, witnessed one in my lifetime. I'm still hopeful. Uh, but uh, what the exact answer is to all of these mysteries is, I can't tell you. I, it's still out of my reach. Yeah, I mean, there is so many mysteries regarding regarding this. I mean, do you think Eisenhower, you know, was afraid of the Cold War that was breaking out, and that's maybe why he was afraid to give up nuclear weapons? Yeah, but he wanted that alien technology, I think, to get America ahead of the game. You know, he was pro-American. And we wanted the very latest stuff that we could use for our defense, hopefully not offensive weapons, but to protect America from the aggressive uh, uh, Russians and eventually the Chinese. And to keep America number one, he would have wanted that uh, agreement to bring us the goodies from another world, from another civilization. Again, what precisely that consists of, I don't know. Speculate for me. Flight technology, I think, is so important in warfare. If you've got, if you control the skies, you control a situation, and unfortunately, that leads to jet fighter like bombings and beyond uh, ground photography and, and what's going on below uh, attacking another nation. So, military minds would have wanted the very best aerodynamic technology in building a craft of super speeds and how we could uh, go after another nation that was hostile towards us. Uh, I can see uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base was a center for uh, metallurgical studies and aeroflight studies and probably was a great center uh, as much as they deny it uh, to this day. So many stories coming out of there in Dayton, Ohio, that we were... uh, looking over, examining, and reverse engineering uh, recovered alien craft. So that's another aspect from looking at things from a military point of view uh, to weaponize 
supposedly for defense of America, defense of democracy around the world. But that would be my best guess. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is a dangerous world out there. It, it yeah. still is a very dangerous world where we don't know what's happening on a daily basis. I mean, I'm sure there are people, I know people in the NSA who are, you know, one day they'll be very chatty and the next day they're saying to me, you know what, we're going to be gone for a couple of weeks here. Let's, uh, well, t- I can't tell you who, what, where, when, why, but, you know, when crap hits the fan, like the Chinese balloon scare, okay, it, things are, things are, uh, you know, picking up and they have to go back on duty. You know, I mean, more and more it's getting more electronic, but it's it's just amazing how it works in today's world. But I mean, can I turn the tables uh, just briefly? Sure, please do. Uh, you mentioned this uh, from earlier this year. What happened in Canada in Canadian airspace? Do you think? And I think there's a recent memo from uh, uh, Trudeau or uh, to Trudeau uh, they, about at, what occurred. At first, Canadian Minister of Defense. She's now the former Minister of Defense. Anita Anon announced that it was a it was a slow moving object that was like drone like about the size of a VW Beetle, and the reason why the Canadians couldn't take it down was because we didn't our our CF eighteen Hornets are very antiquated with original CF eighteen or the original FA eighteen technology. The Canadian uh, jets have never been upgraded. And so they had to call in an American F-35, or pardon me, F-22 Raptor from Elmendorf Air Force Base in Alaska to shoot this thing down because it could actually track it properly on radar due to its slow moving. And allegedly, it crashed, and the Canadians knew where it crashed, and it was going to be recovered. But since then, the story has now changed that they've never been able to find this craft. It disappeared into the mounds of snow in the mountains of the Yukon. <laughs> what was the craft, though? Alien or like Chinese no, it, spy it, it surveillance? Was, it was Chinese spy surveillance. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, well, uh, just to link the two stories, you mentioned the Hornets. Apparently, there were Hornet jet planes, early versions of them, on the runway at the Eisenhower 54 encounter, according to one of the eyewitness testimonies. Uh, that would have been almost like a prototype but that's how old that plane is. I guess when you say it's antiquated now, you're still dealing with hornets. <laughs> they were around in Eisenhower's day. Yes. Well, I mean, it's just a weird, weird game that, that's being played regarding this. And, you know, we've we've seen so many people come out talking about their own alien abductions, whether it's Betty Barney Hill, whether it's Travis Walton, the late Calvin Parker, who just passed away recently, uh, Jeffrey Mishlove, or or many others who, who claim that they have been abducted, including myself and members of our audience. I mean, is, is this just food for thought that that, you know, this is a phenomena that just happens because we're earthlings? And here's another problem. If Eisenhower made agreement with one race, that may have caused other races to start coming here and abducting and, like, taking advantage of this agreement. You know, like, what are you going to do? You made an agreement with these others, and now we can do whatever we want. And, you know, humans kind of lump all aliens together. There are maybe various races coming here with various agendas, and some of them are kind of cold-hearted, 
and will abduct you and probe you and maybe uh, frighten you very much. They don't care about your feelings, and then they put you back. So that may not have been the same human-like race that uh, formed a, a treaty with Eisenhower. Uh, it kind of opens up a whole can of worms. I read uh, one document uh, that claimed there were up to 12 races visiting here. I don't know if you've heard that or not. Uh, heard 12 different advanced beings, you know. And so everyone's got their own personality here on Earth and their own agenda. Why can't aliens have their own you know, quirks, personalities, some quite friendly, some cold-blooded and hostile. So uh, there's all kinds of possibilities of what's going on then and especially today. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. As we got about four minutes to go here before we have to go to break here at the bottom of the hour, author Paul Blake Smith talking about Eisenhower's meeting with extraterrestrials. And... Did Eisenhower, uh, and this leads into the unknowns question here, did Eisenhower meet twice at different times, or did he meet with the two different species at once? Uh, I believe there were at least two meetings. This 1989 Defense Intelligence Agency document states there were three. Uh, one, I think, in July of 54, and then certainly in 55 in February. This treaty had to be hammered out with the... Uh, Various NSA, I think uh, that's speculation, but it's logical. National Security Council type people uh, to opine and what can we put in this? What kind of exact wording should we uh, hammer out and put into this and make sure that they agree to? And what are we getting in exchange? And what is our uh, security and our safety in this? So it would have taken a couple of different meetings. I found, interestingly, that Eisenhower met with his National Security Council just before he left on his Palm Springs golf vacation in 54 and met with him just after he came back, the very people you would meet with if you had done this meeting. And one of them was a man named Everett Gleason, born in Brooklyn, New York, uh, just a few years, I think, before uh, somebody named Jackie Gleason in Brooklyn, New York. I was never able to absolutely pin them down as relatives, but I'm very suspicious that Jackie, who was so obsessed with UFOs, might have been getting a little inside data from a relative who worked with Eisenhower. And that's why Jackie became so electrified the rest of his life and so obsessed that he talked Nixon into going to that air base in 73. My goodness. My goodness. It's it's weird how they all seem to tie together, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Jackie was a big Republican supporter of Eisenhower and Nixon. They all loved to play golf. They loved to go uh, on golf vacations. And and I think to this day, uh, presidents may go out and golf because they know they can't be overheard. They can meet with their buddies, advisors, cronies, guests, and uh, map things out when they're out on a golf course. There may be more going on in an innocent golf outing, I think, than uh, we are originally led to believe, no matter who's president. Android wants to know if Eisenhower ever said anything or anybody ever described uh, what the aliens were wearing, if anything. That's a very good question. And the eyewitness who did speak up, unfortunately, didn't say. (laughs) He said they just looked like us, only a little different. They had a... Probably, I'm guessing, 
a, a little wider nostrils and a wider chest for breathing the air on their home planet. And they didn't say if uh, the test pilot didn't say if he learned what home planet these people were from or if they were interdimensional. And he didn't say that they wore masks for, you know, oxygen or breathing our atmosphere. So I'm guessing that they didn't wear any, but he did not seem to describe what was being worn. And that's uh, something I put in my book. It's a very valid question. Did they have piercings, tattoos? Did they adorn themselves with any decoration or color? Were they more uh, humanoid? Yeah, they were very much like humans, only a little different. And I imagine they were wearing flight suits for comfort and also for, you know, space flight. But that their ships largely that they landed in were like intermediate scout type ships, not huge mother ships or uh, a tiny little thing that you could barely cram into. Uh, remember, the, this, one of the stories is they invited Eisenhower and other Air Force officials to come on in and look and walk around our ships. And uh, who knows uh, if some of them, before Eisenhower arrived, took him up on that. It's very intriguing. One story claimed that uh, the aliens picked up, or the, the humans picked up one of the alien craft and lugged it around because it was light as a feather. And, and on we that were note, allowed to keep it. Yeah, we were allowed to keep a ship. And on that note, Paul Blake Smith, we have him till the top of the hour here on Spaced Out Radio. How does this all tie into today? And that absolutely brutal NASA conference on UFOs. We'll be right back. I looked Sorry, at, didn't mean to step into your outro. That's okay. That's okay. We made it. We made it. Well, we got a half hour to go. Um, and that NASA thing is one thing. And uh, this Trudeau memo is another. And I watched a, a recent uh, documentary on... Uh, David Grush. We haven't discussed him at all. I was curious what you thought of that. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting to watch how people uh, from government officials now are trying to throw Grush under the table. NASA, yeah. did, NASA did a good job of it today uh, with uh, the uh, Bill Nelson um, making a statement about Grush. Uh, Representative uh, Mark Turner who just happens to have um, uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base <coughs> in his riding constituency, whatever you call it down there, uh, oh. you know, bashing on Grush and basically wow. saying it's time to end UFO talks. Uh, they've oh. been useless. Uh, so there's there's a lot going on. Uh, who said on. that exactly? Uh, who said that? Representative Mike, Mark Turner. Uh, hmm. Not familiar with it. I know Representative Tim Burkett or Burchett, Burchett of Tennessee is, yeah, he's really pressed for this and he's quite intrigued. And that's someone in our corner. But I think Congress may find this a bit of a dead end, especially if it's, pardon me, an election year and they're afraid of a little ridicule. They may want to steer back to domestic affairs. And uh, since this hearing didn't bear a lot of fruit, a lot of proof, that, uh, you know, they got to show that they're on the job fighting inflation or crime or something like that and go back to more earthly matters. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer. 
and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union has special deals on certificates of deposit. For 10 months, you could get a return of 5.27% annual percentage yield. And Sunbelt offers an amazing 5.33% annual percentage yield for 18 months. Visit a Sunbelt Federal Credit Union location today or learn more at sunbeltfcu.org. That's sunbeltfcu.org. $500 minimum deposit. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. That's for sure. Well, we'll see what happens. You never know. I'd love to see another whistleblower come forward with stuff with some hard proof. No. That would be exciting. It would. It would. Steve Franchise, how are you? And I think we're caught up on people. Do you get uh, good feedback when we're on together? Or uh, has anyone got any criticisms or complaints? No, No, it's been good. It's (laughs) been very good. Sounds good. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. We've got about three minutes, maybe two. Well, uh, here in my home state, we're all about the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're all excited about the home opener, and they went out and lost. And I uh, was wanting to know, do you get all the NFL games like uh, ABC and CBS and everything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, And that's uh, popular even in Canada that uh, they follow the NFL. Yeah, Yeah. I, 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 I don't have a team that I cheer for per se, but I, you know, the NFL just does it so right. They really do. You think someday it'll be a Canadian team in the NFL? No. Oh, really? No. And I don't want that to happen. I, like I said, I, I love the Canadian football league. I really do. And I really want to see it survive. Um, but you think one team like maybe in Vancouver or Toronto or something would really upset the whole Canadian Football League, one NFL team, yeah, just pro- one? It, it would probably yeah. shut down the CFL. Oh, no. that Well, we don't want that to happen. No. Plus, that's more of a summertime. They play through the summer. We get some of their games on ESPN here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's good. Uh, you know what? I remember when I, when I worked in sports radio, um, I talked to, an, you know, part of my job was covering the BC Lions. And I got to know a lot of the players quite well. And and talking to them, they the way they adapted and fell in love, like the American players, fell in love with the Canadian game. You know, you ha- it's a totally different game. You cannot compare the NFL to the CFL. Um, it, it's too different. The bigger field, the... 
the more hurry-up offense, the more shotgun rotation. It's not a defensive game. I mean, the last three minutes of an NFL game, you pretty much have the understanding of who's won and who hasn't. Um, whereas in the CFL, I mean, you can still see 25 points put up between both teams in that last three minutes because it's such <laughs> shotgun offense. And yeah. it, it's very exciting. It really is. But uh, here we go, everyone. Here comes the next half hour. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, you can check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the Newswire. Check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. We have them until the top of the hour. Author Paul Blake Smith talking about Eisenhower, aliens. Maybe we'll get into a little bit of NASA as well. Paul, thank you so much for being here. Overall, when you when you look at this entire Eisenhower story, what makes you believe personally that this happened? The weight of the circumstantial evidence that I gathered convinced me I haven't seen anything that um, was totally outrageous claimed by various serious sources. And one example would be the Art Campbell research. He didn't uh, uh, put forward anything that seemed, you know, crazy spaced out type stuff or aliens are about to invade at any moment. And uh, it, it all seemed to coherently come together and form the same story again and again and again that Eisenhower did meet with these uh, friendly beings and uh, that he was not ruffled too badly by it after it was over, but did ask for complete silence. So uh, when everything just kind of interlocks together, that's what generally uh, causes me to believe. Uh, One example was there's a British writer named Desmond Leslie, who was uh, touring American air bases, and he sniffed out the story in 54 and wrote about it in Valor magazine that October. Said he heard that Eisenhower went to Edwards Air Force Base and that the base was put on lockdown at one point. Soldiers or flyers who were there but were out on leave were told at the gate, beat it, here's your stuff, stay away for a few more days and that uh, this was a serious claim that, that they, the scuttlebutt was, yeah, Eisenhower was here. And officially, he was never there, that they never uh, admitted this. Uh, he went back to uh, playing golf, and he went to church that next Sunday, and that uh, he had that dental work, and everything worked out so well. He extended that uh, Palm Springs vacation of 54, went back to the White House with business as usual. I don't think Nixon knew about the trip at the time. I think he was informed a bit later. And so uh, it makes sense to keep things clamped down.
down. The fewer people who knew about this, probably from a security standpoint, the better. Do you believe then that there is a vault somewhere in the White House or the Pentagon that this is where the presidents are, in fact, broken down on the UFO subject? It's a good question. And once again, I just don't know. I'm suspicious that uh, it is well guarded by uh, Pentagon or big wigs within the National Security Council's National Security Agency, Defense Intelligence Agency. They don't really want to tell presidents too much, but I think they give them a bare minimum in a briefing when they take office. And so many of our presidents go on TV now, talk shows, and they're asked this question and they give this flippant, stupid answer. I could tell you, but it's something that's natural security. I could tell you the truth, but then I'd have to kill you, that type of answer. So I think uh, they are briefed a little bit. Uh, do Biden or Trump or Obama know about the Eisenhower encounter? Maybe, maybe not. I want to get into this because there's a little bit of controversy surrounding this part of everything, Paul. But there are many people out there who believe that a disclosure president has to be a Democratic president, not a Republican president. Do you buy this? Not really. Uh, We've had uh, eight years of Obama, no disclosure. We've had three years of Biden, no disclosure. Clinton was fascinated. Before him, Jimmy Carter said he saw a UFO, filled out a UFO sighting report uh, from Oklahoma uh, in 73, I think it was. And he said during his 76 campaign, I know UFOs are real because I've seen one. And if I become president, I'm going to release all the information on UFOs. He said these things. It was a matter of record at the time. I'm so old, I actually remember this controversy and being reported in the news. And as soon as he got to be president, he clammed up. He wouldn't uh, do much about opening up the subject. He didn't like talking about it. Even in his post-presidency, he started to kind of backpedal on what he may have seen in 1969 with some other witnesses outside a Lions Club meeting in Leary, Georgia. Uh, At first, he made it clear it was a UFO, a craft that hovered along, moved along, and changed colors. And that's what he wrote in this 73 uh, sighting report that he filled out. And now in his post-presidency, he's like, well, it could have been anything, maybe like Venus or something. And uh, something got to him. Somebody told him uh, to keep his mouth shut, and you're not going to be opening any files. And that's pretty discouraging. No, I I can see that. And, and, you know, I'm curious, you know, to fast forward to today where the last number of years we've seen a real push in ufology, you know, starting back with the New York Times article in 2017 and then leading up to, you know, present day where NASA has come out with a, a report basically saying that, as we predicted, their findings would find nothing. There's nothing out there. And and, you know, we're going to continue, and we've hired a new UAP guy, and we're here for transparency, but we're not going to tell you who he is or she is, <laughs> right? Great transparency there, huh? We're not oh. going to tell you anything, but we'll be transparent. <laughs> right? I mean, but this is the garbage they're feeding us. You know, and what, what was your thoughts on listening to this to this idiocy? Yeah. 
I'm going to call yeah. it idiocy of NASA. Disappointment. Disappointment again. And yet you expect this from the American government. Uh, Bill Nelson's a former astronaut. I'm sure he's heard a lot of stories. He was fascinated by the space program naturally and became a U.S. senator, then the head of uh, NASA. And he has said a few things in the past about, I think we are probably being visited or something like this. Some of these sightings could well be alien visitors. And then he started to kind of backtrack on that recently. Uh, so uh, something happens, they get to you and they talk to you about, you know, keeping your mouth shut. Uh, don't be voicing your valid opinions. Just go with the company line. And again, are they going to do this for the next four years until 2027 when supposedly something major is set to happen? Uh, that may be the game plan to try to keep the lid generally clamped clamp down. Uh, they are, as you point out, uh, somewhat trashing David Grush, the whistleblower, talking about his post-traumatic stress disorder treatment and uh, trying to kind of wreck his reputation that maybe you won't believe him when he said he talks to at least 40 different people. They all came with the same conclusion, the same story. That our government is investigating, reverse engineering, examining bodies and craft. And that he also said, if you paid attention to Grush, uh, we have been contacted and there have been communications between American leaders and some alien visitors who landed. And that's exactly what I've been writing in my Eisenhower book and the Nixon book and Crash and Bodies from the Cape Girardeau uh, story in my book, uh, which I'll have be coming out this fall in hardback. Uh, I'll have a little more information on the 1941 UFO crash near my hometown of Cape Girardeau. But uh, it's discouraging that the government is still hemming and hawing and not being very forthright and Mr. Grush had interesting stuff to say, and yet it's so frustrating he was not allowed photographs of alien craft or bodies, film footage, or an actual page of report. He just reported what so many credible people told him. And again, well, that's nice, but, you know, you and I could read that in a book. I, I will also be a little critical of Mr. Grush because he didn't produce any hard, tangible proof that we're all looking for. Well, you know what? There is stories to at least follow up. There is information to push the ball forward. And in the end, if we look at it like a football game, I think David Grush did advance us downfield towards the end zone. Yeah. How far? A, we don't know yet. You know, He's got great credentials. Very serious man, extremely intelligent. I watched an interview with him today. Boy, he knows a lot of highfalutin college words. He's highly intelligent. He's not a loony. It's quite clear. And a lot of people suffer from a little post-traumatic stress disorder. They say even Jackie Kennedy did after the traumatic uh, assassination of her husband just inches from her in the backseat of that uh, limo in Dallas in 63. And we're learning more about that uh, still here in the American media. And that just shows you 60 years later, we're still learning piece by piece, drip by drip, uh, facts from things that have been covered up for a long time. Right. Do you think that, or let me ask you this, because I'm a firm believer that NASA is is a complete battery of this subject. 
it, I I want to swear so bad when I bring up NASA, <laughs> but but I, I just I can't, you know. And I look at it like like this: they've known since Mercury and Gemini that their rockets were being followed. They knew in Apollo that their rockets were being followed. Their test pilots for the Bell X-1, eventually leading up to the X-15, saw things in the sky following them. There's video. There's audio. There's the alleged photographs that have been that had been painted, okay, and stripped of UFOs. I mean, there is a... a to me, Bill Nelson has a lot of gumption to claim that NASA knows nothing about this. You're yeah. the world's biggest superpower when it comes to space how do you not know like stop lying to the public already yeah they're soft peddling it now when trump was president for some reason he created space force and that may have taken some of the uh the air out of nasa and transferred it so to speak to whatever space force does i i still find them a bit of mysterious there's air force and there's the Army and the Navy, and now we have Space Force. And Mr. Biden has come in, and he has not disbanded uh, Space Force. But what it is they do up in space or planning for space is not clear. Apparently, it's very top-secret stuff. And that gives uh, Bill Nelson at least a small amount of, not credibility, but he could say, well, we don't know about some things because Space Force has taken it over. But I still find it very hard to believe. He's still playing, uh, you know, downplaying a lot of stuff that he knows is uh, quite valid. Uh, Gordon Cooper was uh, an American Air Force test pilot who said he saw UFOs while flying over Germany. And he saw them while he was out in a space capsule orbiting the Earth in like 63 or something. And he was a good friend to Jackie Gleason, fellow Freemasons. And he was uh, fairly friendly with President Nixon. And he was around that day in the February 1973 uh, alien encounter at uh, Homestead Air Force Base. And it gives you an example that, you know, Cooper was NASA all the way. And he spoke at the United Nations, you know, and gave a speech and, and wrote about all the UFOs and people knowing things and to have NASA now today, well, we don't know what's going on. They're just, you know, like you said, you just want to bang your head against a wall. We're going around in circles with uh, incompetent statements and denials that we know are not valid. And eh, what can you do? Oh, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, but just the idea, though, that for me, I don't like being in any situation where I'm being treated like I'm stupid. And I look at the way NASA is treating the public with their their rigged hearings. Okay, Bill Nelson standing at the podium, not confirming anything or that they couldn't find anything uh, anomalous. We know it's crap. And, <laughs> and the fact that the media, mainstream media is so clueless on this subject yeah, because that's another good because point, they've yeah. refused to to give it any proper attention even over the last few years as the news has come out to me it's incredulous 
that there is nobody asking NASA the tough questions. And the toughest one of all is, Bill, what's in your closet? (laughs) Uh, Did you see a 60 Minutes report from like three or four years ago in which they discussed how uh, actual pilots in the Air Force are seeing and sometimes recording with the Air Force jet technology these UFOs, including like a little tic-tac thing that just buzzes right through the sky, has no propulsion system that we can make out, stuff that's way advanced beyond human uh, uh, technology development, and that it can't be, you know, North Korean or Chinese or something. It just, it's gone in a flash. And the test pilots told 60 Minutes, you know, our people see these things every single time we go out and uh, run a mission up and down the coast or over land. Or, you know, our pilots see these every single time. And yet here they are in NASA saying, well, we don't know what's going on. We don't see these things or uh, we have no opinion. And you know, it's a bunch of bunk. Oh, it's, it's a ridiculous bunch of bunk. It really is. And, and it's, to me, it's frustrating. It's one thing to cover it up. It's the other thing to treat people like they're stupid. Okay, now I do understand that pe- most people do not understand that NASA is a branch of the military. It really is. It's, a, it's an unrecorded branch of the military that answers to the military, whether it's the Air Force, the Navy, okay? And they are also, you know, very much online for getting military spy satellites out, especially during the, the shuttle program era. And when you have that, you know there's a tie-in there to both sides. But with the amount of money that American taxpayers have paid NASA over the years to find something, at this point, when I can go out in my backyard, or there are people out there who claim successfully to be able to summon UFOs with their minds, or to photograph ufos for nasa to sit there and say we can't find anything it's ignorant yeah and i think you hit upon another good topic the the media is so cynical so disbelieving so sarcastic on this uh that uh, they go straight to uh similar sources like uh, carl sagan the late astronomer didn't have any interest in any belief Neil deGrasse Tyson. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. For people living with diabetes, this is what a typical day is like. This is what it sounds like managing diabetes with the Mini-Med 780G insulin pump system. Visit MedtronicDiabetes.com slash 780G system to learn more. Systems for people with type 1 diabetes age 7 and over. Prescription required. Warning. Do not use SmartGuard feature for people who require less than 8 units or more than 250 units of insulin a day. See bit.ly slash 780G risks. In the same way, his mind is completely closed. 
he doesn't want to think about the possibilities and he refuses to admit that even the slightest case could be real. Uh, they go to skeptic Michael Shermer. They put these people on the air to debunk things. Whether they're guided by the U.S. intelligence community to do this or not, I don't know. But they sure make sure to get out the cynical disbelievers to kind of poo-poo things that happen, uh, uh, even home videos that capture these things, you know, and put them on the Internet. And they go viral. They make TV shows. Uh, very serious people give their landing and their encounter stories. Steven Spielberg has a whole new Netflix show on people sitting down on camera to talk about what they've encountered. And that will be most interesting. And yet the government just can do, well, we don't know what's going on. We can't say anything. Gosh, it's a mystery to us. And it's just insulting to the intelligence. Yeah, it, it really is. And how do you continue to write about that? What's your next projects? Uh, I'm gathering information on what Ronald Reagan may have experienced and what he knew. I've got a few stories that haven't been covered well and a few that already have been covered. I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough for a book. I'm looking forward to you telling me the secret Ronald Reagan stories that you've got, or maybe some of your viewers. Uh, then I might have enough for a, a book that would make a kind of like a triple play, a trilogy from Eisenhower to Nixon to Reagan. And I uh, get occasionally tips from people who send it into my social media. I'm on uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. I got a number of Facebook pages and uh, they give me some information. And it's quite uh, serious and tantalizing, especially on the Cape Girardeau story. But so much was clamped down on 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, and so many eyewitnesses and people from those days are just passed on. And it's tough. Uh, the government secrecy was insidious then. But the Eisenhower book has done quite well. Uh, they're pondering uh, making it on Amazon.com a special uh list of books for the British uh, people, and they're uh, pondering putting my book on there as something uh, quite credible and fascinating that's doing well in ratings and sales. And you can also get it as an audio book on Tantor.com. Uh, that's an excellent read by Tom Bayer, uh, and I can recommend that highly. So uh, I look for doing more of this line of uh, presidential stories, but there's only so many out there. And then uh, the Cape Girardeau book comes out this fall. I love it. I love it. And in the meantime and in between time, how much time do you spend following the current UFO saga? Uh, somewhat. I don't want to get obsessed and immersed all the time. There are other things to do in life. You should stay grounded. You and I have been talking sports and football as an example. I'm a football fan. I'm a baseball fan. Uh, you know, those are excellent ways to kind of stay uh, on planet Earth and uh, relate to people. But UFOs will always be of such great fascination. I find most people are interested. Occasionally I run into a closed mind that says, uh, I don't want to hear about that. I'm not reading one of your books. I don't, I don't want to know. That's just junk. And you get that from the media, too, these days. There are plenty of people, reporters and such, who just mock and ridicule. They think it's all whacked out or spaced out, you must be out of your mind type stuff. Where's the hard proof? And it's so frustrating because there was some, but it's all been scooped up, locked up, and hushed up. 
And so here we stand. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the next level of information comes from, especially as groups like whether it's it's the Navy or the Air Force or whoever refuses to be talking about this subject. You know, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what comes out out of this because with these groups which seem to be closing down the information lanes, these whistleblowers and their testimony is going to become ever important. And we do know there is another hearing coming up. We just don't have the dates just yet uh, for that hearing that Tim Burchett and Anna Luna are putting together. Uh, Paul Blake Smith, thank you again for coming on Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor here because you're quickly becoming a big favorite around here. Do me the yeah. favor. Do me the favor and, and tell our audience where they can find your books and more information on you. Well, not only the audio book on Tantor.com, but this book can be found on Amazon and Goodreads, as you have mentioned. And there's plenty of good reviews. If you want to leave your own, most appreciated. The Nixon book as well. Uh, There are uh, previous books that I've written that were available from Argus Publishing, my first publishers. They've had uh, some financial difficulties, and they may be... Uh, shutting down the sales of most of those books that I wrote, which is unfortunate, but I can take those to other publishers. I've been given permission to do so. So uh, you might look for those books still, if you can, at Argus or uh, aargusbooks.com or amazon.com. But uh, that's the best. Paul Blake Smith, everybody. When we return for Hour 3, Steve Stockton from Among the Missing kicks things off. Then Robin Hayes will be here for the encrypted report it's dave 101 night i got some strange news to read off to you as well hour three of spaced out radio is next great show tonight paul thank you for this one of my favorite topics man yeah it's irresistible presidents and ufos and aliens and i like i said i i only go for the serious sounding stuff i don't go for a lot of crazy, whacked-out stuff. And so I think people grab onto that, and they also want, we just want the truth, you know, just tell us the truth. So uh, I'll keep at it, and uh, you keep doing what you're doing. I think you do a fine job as a host. Well, we're going to try and bring you on before the end of the year here, my man. So uh, we'll stay in touch, okay? All right, we can talk about the, the my... New release on the Cape Girardeau UFO crash. That would be a good one. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll talk to you soon. I'll see you next time. Take care, my friend. All right. Goodbye. Paul Blake Smith, everybody. How awesome is he? Love him. I'll be right back, guys.
Alright. It's almost Robin time. Big thank you to Mama Catherine, W. David Page, The Debster, James, Pam H., W. Decker, and Android for the Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support. Thank you to our new subscribers for hitting that subscribe button and ringing that bell. Very much appreciate it. Very much do. And, hmm, don't forget, if you haven't already, sign up for our Space Travelers Club. I'm putting the link in the chat room right now because that's just the way we do it. We'd love for you to join. We really would. And uh, I think that might be about it. Yeah, 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 I'm done. I'm done for the night, sure. All right, everybody, here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate you tuning us on in wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, talk stream live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Finally, yeah, you can join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Ignudic. Ignudic is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on our Space Travelers Club. Go to Patreon, type in SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night where we bring in Steve Stockton from Among the Missing for another creepy story. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. Redrich Valentich flew one hour from Moorabbin, Victoria, to King Island on October 21, 1978. Despite clear skies and little wind that day, he never reached his destination, and neither his remains nor any part of his plane were ever found. During the course of the trip, Valentich radioed Melbourne Air Traffic Control and told them that he's being followed by an unidentified aircraft. Upon asking if there were any aircraft present in the area, the tower replied that there were none. Then, according to Valentich, the other vehicle was playing games with him as it hovered above his craft and kept up with him at all times. The aircraft again appeared on top of him a few minutes later. He radioed once again to say that it was not an aircraft and that he was under attack from it. 
Then his radio went completely silent for 17 seconds, followed by scraping metallic sounds. Members of the UFO community claimed that Valentich was abducted by aliens, along with his plane and everything else on board. According to others, it was some sort of shadowy payback for Valentich being vocal in his belief that UFOs exist. And some still believe that the crash was a hoax, speculating that he simply crashed into the ocean due to his dubious flying record and that it was a pure accident. No matter how we look at this, it is strange that neither his plane nor traces of him have ever been found. Next up, there was a fire in the Sauter family home on Christmas Eve, 1945, which destroyed the house where George and Jenny Sauter lived, as well as nine of their ten children. After escaping the fire with four of their children, George and Jenny assumed that the remaining five had perished in the fire as well. However, when firefighters arrived and searched the remnants of the home, there was no trace of the five missing children. No bones, no teeth, no remains of any kind of life. The Sauter home was the subject of many curious discoveries. The phone line, thought to have burned in the fire, was discovered to have been cut first. In the following days, neither of their trucks started. There was suspicion that they had been tampered with. An unattended ladder from the home was found at the bottom of an embankment nearby. The fire, according to experts, was not nearly hot enough to have incinerated bones so completely. It appears that premeditation and possibly kidnapping were involved. The survivors of the Sauter family have always maintained that the five missing children were kidnapped and are still missing. Oh, scary stuff by Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. If you like stories like that or more, head on over to youtube.com forward slash Among the Missing and Steve will provide you the stories for free. Just hit subscribe. From the missing to the mysterious of the mountains, it's time to go to the cryptid report. Filling in for Super Duke, we have Robin Haynes. <laughs> Super Duke, Super Duke, the cryptid report with Super Duke. All right, Robin. Well, not Robin McCray anymore. Robin Haynes is here. That's right. You know, I'm I'm noticing a new hairdo, a lot of beautiful laughter coming out of your voice. Yes, yes. Congratulations. There's a few moments that are bumpy, but a much better, bright future I'm very excited about. Well, we're very excited for you, too. How you been doing? I'm doing good. I've been working a lot, you know, trying to help as many people as I can. It's kind of like the same old, same old, and... Supposed to do a UFO conference this weekend, and I just don't have time to get there, so they're going to zoom me in, and I'll still speak. Oh, very nice. Very so. nice. I had a nice phone call two days ago from... From who? From nobody that anybody would know, but locally where I live, one of the elders from the local First Nations had heard oh, from... lovely. ...had heard from one of the RCMP officers that I was very much into UFOs and Bigfoot and little people and everything like that. Nice. So he gave the gentleman my number, and I got a uh. phone call from him. And the gentleman and I, I said, I said, sir, I would be honored to take you out for a coffee here to learn some of your stories. I said, because I have a very keen interest in these topics, and, 
And I'm a firm believer, and I realize that a lot of people may not agree with me. And frankly, I don't give a damn. Okay. <laughs> but I am a firm believer that the First Nations culture has so much to offer for real answers, oh, yeah. real answers to what is going yep. on and what these creatures are, whether it's the star people or whether it's Sasquatch. I really do yep. believe they have a lot of answers. Have you had the opportunity to deal with a lot of indigenous people? Yeah, I actually have. I've been very blessed. Um, and number one, I think they are more accepting of all the craziness probably because of their own experiences. Um, I get a much warmer welcome from them. I get more discussion, you know, and less judgment. I just get, you know, where you actually have a conversation. And I find that they are so highly intelligent as far as information goes in these topics. Like, really, they know a lot more than we do. Number one, I have a great deal of respect for them anyway, but... On top of that, I feel like in this, these topics, they really know a lot. We can learn a lot from them. Uh, and, and I agree with you on that. And, hey, anybody out there who has the opportunity to talk with anybody in the First Nations regarding this subject, do yourself the favor and really, really take the time for that, that conversation. Just sit and listen. That's all you need to do is sit and listen. Ask the odd question because it it just ends up resonating. It really does. It does. I think that, you know, there's we need to listen. We need to hear what they have to say because they clearly, in these subjects, they are much more ahead of us. And the openness that they are to discuss them. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years! Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. And talk about them as a, as a truth. I love it. Absolutely love it. I think that they listen more than a lot of our people do. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is some of the lessons you have learned from dealing with First Nations 
regarding Sasquatch? I, I think for me it was just the respect that they show the Sasquatch. I mean, I've always lived my life being respectful to them because I always grew up around them, but you don't see a lot of people as a whole that show the respect as they do. They seem to have a, like when they talk about them, I've had some talk about them as in the abilities that the Sasquatch have. And they were just very calm, very relaxed, very matter of fact. And I just think the whole approach with the way they deal with it and they talk about it to me is fantastic. And if you are around the Sasquatch a lot and you do learn about their culture and their ways, you realize how much they parallel with the Native Americans. They literally have have copied different things that the Native Americans have done. Now, there have been different tribes that they fought with, obviously, but for the most part, they get along quite well with them, and they have picked up a lot of their ways. And it's like the gifting. You know, mine always tell me that where they learned it from came from the first first people, which when they talk about that, they're generally talking about the Native Americans. You know, and a barter, you know, where you would give something to someone and then they would give something back. But mine used to, when I lived in Michigan, mine there used to talk about that. And they would talk about the first people on the land, and they, that's who they meant was the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of, of tribal things that the Sasquatch will emulate from the Native Americans. And you know what? One of the things that I have learned is look where you're not seeing. Yeah. Okay. You, you can look all, pardon me, see where you're not looking. Like you can, you can look all around. But what is dragging your eyes to that one spot in the forest? What is dragging your eyes where all of a sudden, no matter where you look, you keep going to that one spot in the sky? Right. There's a reason for that. And it's You're not, on there. It's the pull. <clears throat> explain that pull to people. For me, I get the pull energetically because I do so much energy work, but a lot of people wouldn't connect it to energy work. It's just a draw. For whatever reason, they're drawn there. When you're talking about the UFOs and the ETs and other cryptids, because there's such a high frequency and energy level, much, much higher than ours, it automatically draws our attention to it because your body's going to react to that frequency and energy before your brain will. So your body's automatically going to pull you there and then your body's going to follow focus towards it. But it all comes from that high frequency and energy that's that's so different than ours. Mm-hmm. I agree. Let's go to a question from Super Crazy. Does the First Nations communities believe there is a connection between Sasquatch and aliens and UFOs? Um, I would never presume to speak for the entire First Nations communities. Okay, what I can tell you is the the people that I have spoke with, yes, they do believe that. But that, that again, I'm not talking about everybody. I'm just talking about the First Nations people that I talk to. You know what's funny is there up here there are certain certain reserves where they do believe that everything is kind of created into one by mother earth. Mm-hmm. And yet this band members of this band I talked to today that are ranchers way out about 35 miles south of me. Okay. 40 miles south of where I am. They have never seen Sasquatch on their property. They don't even know if they believe in it. Uh, they've seen weird lights in the sky, but not enough to call them UFOs or uh, there's, right. you know, they haven't heard stories of people being taken 
from their community. You know, I mean, it, it's amazing we're in such a close proximity to one another and and relatives in between, mm-hmm. okay, that blend the, the First Nations together, that there are such different outcomes so quickly. Yeah. But again, I think it goes down to everybody's experiences. Everybody's going to have a different experience, and then it's your interpretation of your experience on top of it. You know, and that's where there's so many variations. Absolutely. So let's get to you here. You know, you've had a a busy week with, uh, you know, everything going on in your life. How have the Sasquatch been? Loud and proud. They, like, totally trampled one whole half on the outside of my pen. I have a fenced-in yard for the animals, and they just dilapidated everything down there, all the grass, everything. I mean, it's like this big 20-foot by 10-foot spread that they just crunched everything down. And I got a new vehicle, and so they've been really interested in the new vehicle. They don't know why it's in the yard, but it's there. And um, they're like, I go out there in the morning, and there's handprints all over it. So they've been pounding on it and playing with it because they don't know what it's doing there. But they're doing good. I mean, they've been real active. I was outside the other night, and I was sitting on the porch where I am right now, and I could see them moving in the tree line across from the driveway. You know, a lot of howls, a lot of calls. Um, I don't do the whoop calls only because I don't know exactly what they, you know, each one means. And every clan is different. I could say something thinking I'm saying something in friendship and have it be, you know, like a call to fight or something. So I don't do the whoop calls, but... Um, I hear, I listen to them and I do whistles and, and those kinds of things to them. So it's been pretty good. I've had a lot of people call this week with, uh, seeing a lot of activity. So that's a good thing. Um, everybody remember hunting season's coming up. So when you're out there and you're hunting, it's not unusual if they get to the deer before you do, that's who's grabbing it. So, um, when you're going into the woods and you're taking your firearms, I really strongly suggest to people you know, tell them, I'm bringing this in the woods to hunt for food for my family. I'm not coming in here to hurt you. You know, I come in peace. I want you to come in peace. However you want to say it, put your intent out there. And you'll have a lot less problems with the firearms. But please know that they are known to snag people's deer. I, I have several friends that that's happened to before. You know, it's the last thing you want to do is pick a fight with one. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand that. And what do the Sasquatch do during hunting season? You know, the ones in Michigan, they would, when everybody was out hunting, they would literally go to one part of my property where nobody would hunt while everybody was hunting in the back. Bow season, I don't know what they did, but they would find all these bows in the woods and they would stack them all up on my front porch. And I'd end up with like 50 arrows every year. They would bring, they would find them out in the woods somewhere and I'd get up in the morning and they're all stacked on my front porch. You know, from the the bow and arrow hunters. But, yeah, they're out there. You've got to be careful because, you know, they're out hunting too. And you don't want any type of an altercation on either side over food by any means. You know, they. I think they tend to, like, once the first shots are fired or whatever, they stay pretty close to home. You know, they'll go out and they'll get food later on. But they're cautious, of course. Yeah, I, I can totally see why they would be cautious. I mean, you you have to be careful. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, go ahead. And I think they, they have a pretty good idea where everybody likes to hunt at and they try to avoid it. There are some that will go specifically to those areas because they want to grab whatever, you know, somebody's killed. Then they want to, I'm going to attack by mosquitoes. Um, 
they want to, of course, get in on that and get a free meal. <laughs> and why not? And why not? You know, Robin McRae is with us. We have her until the bottom of the hour here on Spaced Out Radio. Robin, I, I want to ask you, like, with your own personal contact, what's the chances of one night? Because right? you do this show, you're sitting on your front patio. What would be yeah. the, what would be the chances of one night, one of them howling so we could hear it during the show? Could you could you help? That's us entirely that? up to them. I have no no call on that. I mean, they don't do anything because I tell them to. But it's not uncommon. I've had people that I've been on the phone with, and they're like, "What is yelling in the background?" <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll give you one guess. And like when I got this, I just got a brand new Jeep, and it was a gift from. Um, somebody very dear to me and she, I didn't know she was going to do it. She went out, she bought this, she bought me a soft top and I went to Florida to pick it up and it was, she got a two door. It was too small to do anything in the back seat. She's like, Oh, we're taking this back for a four door. I said, okay. So she wanted me to get another soft top. And I'm like, are you kidding? Do you know where I live? Soft tops will never survive at my home. Like I know what they did to the kids trampoline and the pool liners for God's sakes. There's no way a soft top would make it in my yard. That thing would be sliced and diced so that they could get into it in a heartbeat. And she said, oh, we'll buy an extra soft top. You'll have more fun with them. And I'm like, I am not taking home a soft top because I already know how this is going to go down. Like, <laughs> the screens to my house have got fingerprints that have ripped them up. <laughs> oh, you know, when my kids had trampolines as, when they were little. They would go on, you'd see all these big muddy hands and footprints on there, and then all of a sudden you'd see just tears where they would just shred it. Above ground pools, every morning I would get up and the side would be caved in, there'd be hair and mud and everything in the pool, and the liners would be shred. I was like, there's no way I'm taking a soft top car. <laughs> we exchanged it for a hard top, but yeah. Love it. Love it. They do it with the best of intentions, but. You, you, you state that... Um that you don't understand after all these years when you hear them <laughs> whooping or hollering or giving the samurai chatter, you can't understand what what they're saying. Have you picked up any of their language? Yeah, yeah, I have. Like when they're talking amongst themselves, um, I'm not fantastic at it, but I can pick, pick it up a little bit. And I, I do okay. I'm not wonderful at it, but I do okay. When they're doing the calls, I get an idea because I am telepathic. I do get an idea of what they're saying. It's almost like as they say it, it comes in my mind. But again, I'm not perfect. I don't think anybody is. I don't want to get it wrong. You know, there's a reason they're doing the whoop calls and I'm not. I have done them a couple times. Not well, but I have done them just to see if I could do them. But I generally, as a rule, I don't just because, you know, they're communicating between each other. That's what it's for. So the one is communicating to who's ever out in the field. And I don't want to interrupt that. Because it's a communication between the kind of like interrupting somebody when they're speaking, I guess. So, yeah, but they would, they sit under the windows. When they sit under the windows, I get different bits and pieces of what they're saying. Yet, how do they understand English? You know what? They've adapted to where they can understand any language they choose to. I think, you know, whatever area they're in, obviously they have no problem speaking it. They speak English quite well. It sounds almost like broken English. You know, some of them are a little bit more fluent, but they can speak it. They can speak any language there is. There is not one they can't. All they have to do is hear it, and their ability to mimic is uncanny. I've never seen anything like it in my life. 
but not only do they say our language, they somewhat understand what they're saying. Hmm. You know, so it, it gets to be pretty intense. And their language, it sounds like they're talking in gibberish because it's so fast. And sometimes it's so hard to break up. And again, their voice range is much higher and much lower than ours. So they can hit, you know, things that we have no idea how to do. You just get used to it, I guess, is the best way to put it when you hear it for years. Like I said, I'm not proficient at it, but I can do okay. Okay. So have you been able to recognize certain phrases or certain, uh, you know, ways they do things? Um, as far as their mannerisms, yeah. They're pretty distinctive. Each individual has their own way that they like to do things. As far as different things they say, again, it depends on the individual. I have one that comes on here I, all the time, and I feel bad for him because he's an older male, and he's always coughing. And I'm like, do you need to be healed? Because I do healing work on them. And he's like, no, I'm like this. And I said, okay, but do you need to be healed? He got really mad at me because I kept asking him every night for like a week. So then he left, and he, he said, no, no come. And he left. He was gone for two weeks before he came back again. But I wasn't trying to insult him. I was worried about him, you know. I have one that I hear every now and then in the front yard, and it'll it'll say, don't do that. Don't do that. So I don't know what the other ones are doing, but it doesn't want them to do that. Hmm. Robin, it's a quick one, but we got to say goodnight to you. We will talk, uh, that's all right. We will talk to you You guys next have week. a wonderful night. And uh, we appreciate you coming on for the Cryptid Report. Coming up next, yeah, I'm going to sound off. I can feel the energy building. For the Dave 101, where we're going to get into NASA and them treating us like fools again. We will be back on Space Out Radio right after this. Stay tuned. Thank you, my beautiful friend. Anytime, sweetheart. Just give me a call. We'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye. Love her, Robin McRae. Michael C., welcome. I have a footprint. Where is it? Right up there on that shelf. Come this way a little bit, though. Maybe about here. It broke. Not a good caster. What else is here? Lunar Tina, good evening. I think I'm going to go out this weekend. Go for a little vacation in the forest. See what we can find.
Y'all having a good time? All having a good time? Uh, no, the CIA wasn't behind that. It was stupidity that was behind that. Smile, Dave, you're on candid camera. Uh, Dave, do you wonder why the last administration created Space Force? Yeah. Aliens. Aliens, I tell you. <clears throat> no. I, d I don't think Space Force is... I know Space Force is into UFOs, Sabrina, but it's not their big goal right now. Their big goal right now is uh, to try and smack down uh, anything from the Black Curtain, the Iron Curtain, whatever you want to call it, the Red Curtain. Nice stargazer. Thank you tonight to W. Decker, W. David Page. Uh, James, uh, Pam H, Android, Deb, Catherine, and Lord William for the super chats. Very much appreciate the love. And here we go with the final half hour. Rounded third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed most of this show or others, you can always check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, 
hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. All right, you know I'm upset. You know I'm about to freak out. We got to get to the Dave 101. things that are guaranteed in life taxes death and nasa screwing up the ufo story yes if you caught the early at&t and verizon lure you in with their best phone offers only to lock you into a three-year phone contract three years missing out on the latest greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier not at t-mobile Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want, every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade, all on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. The uh, press conference that they had telling us that their $100,000 study among university professors, was over, was complete, and guess what? They found nothing. But they were going to continue the search, as all good companies do, but they're going to need more investment. They're going to be need more time, more people, and they're going to be transparent with the public. Although, according to Bill Nelson, they aren't going to tell you who the head of their new UAP program is. So now NASA has its own UAP puppet master. But what was in a weird sensation is apparently NASA didn't like the answer, so they outed their new guy who's going to be running and looking for UFOs. Mark McInerney is the director of UAP research for NASA, What he knows, who he is, well, let's see. Since 96, 
He's served various positions at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and the National Hurricane Center. Yet previously, he served as NASA's liaison to the Department of Defense, covering limited UAP activities for the agencies. Hmm. So this guy knows a little thing called UFOs, not UAPs. Because let's remember, UAP are man-made. UFOs are not. And in typical fashion, we got nothing out of the latest report. Bill Nelson stepped up to the microphone and in his crotchety old voice basically told us everything we already knew. They didn't investigate inside NASA's closets or in any filing cabinets. No, 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 no. Why would they do that? In short, the report says, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Nelson, for his part, says, do I believe there's life in a universe that is so vast that it's hard for me to comprehend how big it is? My personal answer is yes. Still, we want to shift the conversation about UAP from sensationalism to science. So why all the secrets, Bill? I got a lot of traction on my tweets that I put out today. I don't really like tweeting or Xing or whatever the hell it's called these days. Kind of a pain in the ass, if you ask me. But I put out a couple out there. I did. Let me read them to you. So, NASA puts out a tweet that states now, a discussion of the report by the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Report Independent Study Team. I put, they pretty much quote Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons, nothing to see here, people. And that's exactly what we got. Nothing. A couple of the tweets continued to gain a little bit of traction. Bill Nelson, the head of NASA, tweeted, Join us for an update from NASA's Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Independent Study Team, to which I replied, And certainly at Senator Bill Nelson, you and at NASA will not be discussing what's in your own closets. It's a shame you're playing the UFO public as fools. Because that's what we are. Now remember, I said going into this, that there would be people who are cheering, putting up those placards, wanting to name streets after NASA and Bill Nelson for them moving the ball forward by inches. Well, you got to start somewhere, including the man who fell for the BS in Mexico, Ryan Graves. Yeah, Ryan Graves, old Ryan there, he got into it. He was so proud that NASA had moved the ball forward down the field on third and and long. Yep. Way to go, Ryan. Way to go. So here's what I stated. I stated to Ryan. I said, remember the hashtag UFO people? NASA has known about UFOs since Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo. They have blatantly hidden their audio recordings, photographs, videos, and eyewitness testimony from the public for decades. 
Applauding them for this weak effort of a study does not further the cause for any sort of hashtag disclosure. And that's the truth. We didn't move forward. Okay? We have to stop cheering on mediocrity and stupidity when that stupidity is aimed at the public like you and I. There is no positive thing to come out of this NASA report. Even them hiring their own UAP researcher to run their UAP program does not move the ball forward. So what does? Well, information. Coming clean on what they know. Other astronauts who have had experiences should be ashamed that one of their own a.k.a. Bill Nelson, the now executive director, who is a former astronaut, is playing their stories as fools. You're a fool. I'm a fool. The astronauts who've had experiences are fools. The test pilots, going back to the X-1 and the X-15, are fools for even going there, for even thinking that these UAPs are of value to our humanity. Now, NASA, as we realized, does not care. It was a waste of money. It was a waste of time. And we are all dumber for this exact situation to happen. And that's sad to say. Because they all talk a good game. They all talk that they have the public's interest in mind for this. But they all claim it's all about the science. Okay. If it's all about the science, why is that science only directed towards the military? Why is all that science directed towards the military contractors? You see, there is nothing to applaud that is going to help Jane or John Doe, who has had UFO or extraterrestrial encounters. No, they're they're not interested in that. Every time they talk about the science, what they're talking about is they want the technology. They want the technology so they can move their profits forward. They can move their companies forward. They can move the ball forward with their stockholders, their shareholders. That's what it's about. It isn't about solving the UFO program, whether there's life in the universe or whether we are being visited. They don't care. Okay? You care because maybe you've seen something or experienced something that most haven't. That's the reason why I care. It's the reason why we started this radio show so many years ago. But to be deceived publicly, and yet there is no questions that have been fully answered by NASA or Bill Nelson or any of his teammates that are relevant to this subject. It's amazing that they can even get up on stage and talk about it. It's a waste of time. I find it very disappointing 
because NASA's showing their military side and who's controlling their or pulling their strings because it sure as hell ain't the public. And I think what we learn from this is that this isn't about you or me. This is about corporate greed, government greed, government secrets, trying to solve the ultimate mystery. We look at Ryan Graves again, and I will reiterate what I said with Tim Senor from the UFO report. This is a gentleman who literally has nothing, doesn't want anything to do with ufology, as most fighter pilots don't. Alex Dietrich doesn't. David Fravor doesn't. Okay? They don't care about you or me. They care about the studies and where they might be able to get a paycheck from. Okay? Ryan Graves goes down to Mexico where there is a fake alien or two fake alien bodies that were brought out. These studies have been conducted over years that it is human DNA and nothing extraterrestrial. Yet there's Jaime Mossan and his team bringing him out, claiming that the Peruvian Aztec mummies are actually alien indeed. Well, Ryan went down there because he is a big, big corporation that he's wanting to start in order to try and bring safe skies to pilots of commercial and military pilots so that way they don't have to worry about UAPs forgetting to signal and turn right instead of turning left and crashing into people. Which, if you look at the records, there's nothing on record about that ever happening. So what's a safety issue? Well, panic and fear brings a budget. So he's decided to create a company over that. And what does he do? He goes to Mexico, sits in front of it, and he sh- then once he realizes that everything is a farce down there, he has to issue a retraction statement saying sorry for going down there and sorry for not listening. You see, these people, they're better than you and me. These scientists, these these people who are trying to play disclosure for dollars, including NASA, they don't want your opinion. They don't want your experience. They want you to stay the hell out of the way. They don't want people like me broadcasting because they're better than us. They know more than us. Really. Ryan Graves, have you ever seen a UFO? Because you didn't on camera. Your radar did. You did not. Other people like Rich Hoffman. Have you ever seen a UFO? No. Did Stanton Friedman ever see a UFO? No. Bruce McAbee? Maybe. We're dealing with people who don't want to believe the experiencers for anything. And that's why they get put in predicaments like Graves did in Mexico. Because he was better than ufology. And now we sit here and watch this amazing mess caused by NASA and others and wonder where are we going. This is why I preach to all of you guys who pay attention to me and actually listen sometimes. There's not going to be a disclosure. There's a confirmation of the movement. 
because the big wigs who are calling the shots in the military-industrial complex do not want this story coming out. And just like every other thing in the history over the last 70 years, they will get their way. And that is your Dave 101. Let me know what you think. If you're on our YouTube channel watching this, tell me your opinion below. I'd really appreciate it. And for that, let's move on to the news, shall we? What time is it? It's time for Shirky Pink News! Oh, we got some juice for you tonight. Let's start off with everybody's favorite group, PETA. Yep. An old tweet from animal rights organization PETA has resurfaced on X, formerly known as Twitter, that claimed cow's milk is a symbol used by white supremacists. Then, the then tweet linked to a 2017 blog posted why cow's milk is the perfect drink for supremacists and refers to scenes out of the movie Inglorious Bastards and Get Out where characters drink the cow secretion and that dairy milk has long been embraced as a symbol of white supremacy. Yep, the post on PETA's website goes on to say how geneticists are alarmed that white nationalists are controlling science and contorting science and using it as an excuse to hate. Referring to the usage of milk emojis and sharing photos of themselves drinking milk to celebrate their whiteness. The organization noted that research has found that white Europeans can digest lactose better and white supremacists have used that as an excuse to consider themselves the master race. Aside from lactose intolerant white supremacists, cow's milk really is the perfect drink of choice for all, even unwitting supremacists, since the dairy industry inflicts extreme violence on other living beings, the agency wrote. PETA is trying to wake people up to the implications of choosing this white beverage and suggesting that they choose something else pronto. The post was picked up and reshared over the weekend with the caption, This can't be real. Please tell me this isn't real. Oh, yes, it's very real. Well, here in British Columbia, we had something odd happen. I mean, talk about being paranoid. This is Vancouver 101 right now. You know, never mind the drugs on East Hastings that are killing people on a daily basis as BC has one of the highest uh, uh, drug overdose rates in the world. Now, that doesn't matter. No. We're going to call the cops on a person like this. A person wearing camouflage pants in public left a man outraged last week, so much so that the 27-year-old Trail BC resident called police to complain and said he was offended on behalf of the military as he believed civilians were not allowed to wear those kind of pants. Yep. According to the Trail and Greater District RCMP, an officer received a phone call Friday afternoon about the pants. The man requested that the officer find the man and remove them. Police say the officer informed the man that the removal of someone's pants would be illegal even if they were camouflaged. 
The caller told the officer he would remove the man's pants himself under order of the King of England. You can't make this stuff up. The officer replied that forcefully removing someone's pants would constitute as an assault and dissuaded him from taking that action. Our officers did look for the man reportedly wearing the camouflage pants downtown, but unsurprisingly couldn't find him, Sergeant Mike Wicketwitch said. Hmm. Well, let me tell you this, boss. Trail is a hunting town. You must be going nuts right now, knowing that it's hunting season, and everybody has camouflage pants on right now. And in fact, to protest this, I'm going to wear camouflage pants tomorrow. That way nobody will see me. Not a soul. Well, sometimes a good dog can't be caged, especially when they love their rock and roll. This was the case of Storm the German Shepherd, who made the rounds on social media last weekend after a story circulated about how the dog was allegedly abandoned at a Metallica concert in Inglewood, California. The story eventually made its way to the band itself, who provided an update on Instagram. The dog wasn't abandoned at the concert. Rather, she just snuck out from her home, made her way to the stadium to catch her favorite rock band. Despite reports to the contrary, our friend Storm stuck out of her home adjacent to the Sophie Stadium and made her way to the gig all by herself, Metallica wrote on social media. After a full night of taking in the show with her Metallica family, Storm was safely reunited with her actual family the next day. Yeah, there's a famous picture on Metallica's Instagram and X page that shows the dog literally mouth open, tug wagging, sitting in a seat, enjoying for whom the bell tolls. That's a good dog, people. That is a loyal, smart dog. Storm is apparently a huge fan of songs like uh, Barks Eterna and Max, uh, Master of Puppets and The Day That Never Comes. Just being a little cheeky there. But yeah, good dog. Likes Metallica. You know it's a, a dog that you're going to want to cozy up home and it's going to protect you, just like that. Hey, I want to say a big thank you to Robin Haynes for coming on in, Paul Blake Smith for another great show. We're going to have him on in a few weeks' time, once again, for talking about another UFO story that he is writing about. What a great show. Hope you enjoyed the Dave 101, and we're glad to entertain you tonight. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAV, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night, Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. 
We need you to take us home. Yes, the Woo Train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years! Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year, or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.